This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Daniel 9.26, Daniel 9.26. After three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And many other scriptures, the, the scribes and the Pharisees sitting in Moses' seat were supposed to open up to the people to show that Jesus Christ was their Messiah, was their God, and who was gonna take their sin away. That's how they were supposed to open up the door for the new and living way to heaven, to God. That's what they were supposed to do. But if they were gonna really be in the role of God's helpers, God's assistants, taking care of God's business which, of promoting the new and living way to the people through the blood of Christ. But most of all, if they were not just gonna be play actors, they're really gonna be helpers to help get people to God, they're really gonna do it, they should have been first in line. They should have been the first in line, each one of them, to come in to God through this new and living way through the blood of Christ. I mean, if they were really gonna be God's helpers, really gonna take care of God's business, getting people to heaven, then they should have been saying to the people, repent of your sins and come through the new and living way. They should have said what John the Baptist said in John 1.29, John 1.29. They should have been the ones right out in front saying, behold the Lamb of God to Christ. Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. If they weren't play acting, if they were really God's assistants, they should have obeyed the command in Isaiah 40 verse nine, Isaiah 40 verse nine, O Zion, that bring us good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bring us good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid, and say unto the cities of Judah, behold your God. They should have not been afraid, they should have been lifting up their voice, they should have been pointing to Jesus Christ and saying Isaiah 40 verse nine, behold your God, behold your God. If they were not hypocrites, just play acting, they should have come each one personally to Jesus Christ, and they should have made it their life work to get others to Jesus Christ by the new and living way. In short, they just should have opened up the way. 
to heaven by promoting Jesus Christ as the new and living way. But instead of opening the door of heaven through the new and living way of the blood of Christ, they didn't open the door to heaven. Instead, verse 13, verse 13, they shut up the kingdom of heaven. Instead of opening the door to heaven, they locked the door to heaven. That Greek word there, shut, is the word kleo. It's the same word that's used in Acts 5.23, Acts 5.23, when the officers came back and they say, the prison truly found we shut, kleo, with all safety. Just as securely as a prison door is shut and locked is as securely as the scribes and the Pharisees shut and locked the door to the new living way to God through Jesus Christ. They shut and locked the door to God. Just like they literally, they literally shut the door of Christ's tomb with that big rock to keep him from rising from the dead in Matthew 27, 62. Matthew 27, 62, the next day, that following day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate saying, sir, we remember that the deceiver said while he was yet alive after three days, I'll rise again. Command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest the disciples come by night, steal him away and say unto the people, he's risen from the dead. So the last day was first. Pilate said unto him, you have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. So I mean, it was the chief priests and the Pharisees, they probably were the ones who rolled that stone, that heavy stone in front of the doorway of the tomb. And as they did, we can imagine them straining to push that rock there. And many of us have seen that rock, it's big. And they're saying, we're not gonna let Jesus rise from the dead. With this stone, we're gonna stop him from opening up the new and living way to God. But the reality was there was no stone big enough to keep Christ in the grave. There's no stone big enough to block him from opening that way. So the scribes and Pharisees, to not be hypocrites, true helpers of God, it all came down to they're gonna promote or block the new and living way to God. And they made the wrong decision. In verse 13, they chose to shut it up. Now, there's two words that Christ used in verse 13 when he said, in verse 13, you shut up the kingdom of heaven, and here are the two words, against men, against men. It's so graphic, the words against men. In other words, they were not for man, they were against man. And it's a picture of Jewish people uh, starting to think about coming to Christ, starting to ask the question, as they did in another place of scripture, do the rulers not know that this is indeed the Christ? And they're starting to say, I wonder if Jesus Christ could be, might be the Messiah? And for every Jewish person that started to make that move toward the new and living way, which is Christ, the scribes and Pharisees were there to stand against men, against men. They block, they block the way with threats and fears as they did with Orthodox Rabbi Sam from New York several years ago who flew out and we met together at the Creation Museum in Santee and he prayed with me to receive Christ. But when he returned back to New York, he was told by his wife and others, if you don't turn away from Christ, you will lose your synagogue, your congregation. You will lose your wife, you'll lose your children, you're gonna lose your house, you're gonna lose your job, you're gonna lose your friends, and you're gonna lose your community. 
Well, that was enough. That was enough for him to call me and say, I recant. I'm turning away from Christ. Because Rabbi Sam experienced, verse 13, shutting up the kingdom of heaven against men. And it was true in Christ's day. It's true today. This shut up, you shut up the kingdom of heaven. And um, just as I was told, I told you, just as I was told, after one year of fulfilling all the requirements as a Jew to be able to get Israeli citizenship under the right of return, that in my last interview with the Jewish agency, I was asked the one question, do you believe Jesus Christ is God or the Son of God? And then I was told, Israeli citizenship is not for you because you believe in Jesus. Because I believe in Jesus as the new and living way to God. I was blocked from becoming an Israeli citizen because in verse 23, in verse 23, you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. And because of that, Christ said in verse 23, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, he shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. It's a tragic indictment that Christ makes to them. It's tragic because, for one thing, because they were sitting in Moses' seat, it's tragic because of what it could have been. They could have worked with God and seen thousands go to heaven, opening the door to the new and living way to heaven through Jesus Christ. You know, in 1914, 1914, R.A. Torrey built a very large church in downtown Los Angeles on Hope Street, and he chose for that name the Church of the Open Door. That's a great name. That sends a great message, a great message to someone, you know, thinking about God and, you know, he said, oh, I'm going to go to the place of the Church of the Open Door. That sounds great because better than the name Church of the Closed Door, and <laughs> there are those places too. But anyway, a closed door, a terrible message, because a closed door basically says, you're not welcome. Closed door basically says, go away. It's the message of kleo. Kleo, the Greek word is shut up in verse 13. You shut up, you kleo, the kingdom of heaven. The Greek word is used to describe what the man, you remember that man who is, his friend came over and wanted bread and he was in, he was in bed and he didn't want to give bread. And so what he said, Luke eleven six, Luke eleven six, a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not, the door is now shut, Cleo, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. See, the message by using that word Cleo was the door is shut. It's not gonna be open to you. It's basically a message of you're wasting your time trying to get in because the door is shut and locked. And that's the message that the scribes and the Pharisees were sending to any Jewish person who wanted to enter heaven by the new and living way through Jesus Christ. The scribes and Pharisees were saying to those souls who were trying to get to heaven through Jesus Christ, go away. The door to heaven through Christ is shut to you and locked, and you're wasting your time trying to get into that door. And Jewish people, especially the organization Chabad, they say Jesus Christ is for the Gentiles, it's not for a Jew. That door through Jesus Christ is shut and locked for you as a Jew. You're wasting your time trying to enter into that door. Now, we gotta get to the question of how did they do this? How did the scribes and Pharisees shut up, close the kingdom of heaven against men? Basically, they did it through two strategies, and they do it through two strategies that hasn't changed for thousands of years, still in use today. The first strategy is to press the law. Press the law. 
The Hebrew word for law is Torah. Rabbis do not refer to the Bible as God's word. They refer to the Bible as the Torah, which means the law. Now, as a matter of fact, the rabbis have introduced a holiday. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible, and it's called Simcha Torah. Simcha Torah. This year, it's going to be on October 18, 2022. It's going to be October 18. It's not a holiday that God instituted in the Bible. This is a rabbi-instituted holiday. Simcha Torah literally means rejoice in the Torah, joy in the law, joy in the law. In other words, the rabbis press the law with this holiday to get people to be happy in the law, to rejoice in the law. When the reality is, the law is not our friend. Why? Because the law shows how sinful we are. It's in Romans 3.20, Romans 3.20, by the law is the knowledge of sin. Where's that sin? In us. That's no good. So Simcha Torah, or rejoicing the law, I mean, just picture, this is like Simcha Torah, just picture a convicted murderer on death row. He's in his cell, he's on death row, he has a, a copy of the law that condemns him as a murderer. And as a murderer, this is the legal document that says that the murderer has to be put to death. So he's got this document in there, and he says, I'm a murderer, and I have a holiday where I rejoice in the legal document that condemns me to die. And so all during this day, he embraces this document and he dances around his cell. They call the psychiatrist. <laughs> you know, the holiday of Simcha Torah is rejoicing in the law that condemns the murderer in prison. He's having his own holidays, rejoicing in the law that condemns him. That's Simcha Torah. And for the rabbis, Simcha Torah is a very effective tool to press the law, to press the law, and in that way, lock the door to the new and living way to heaven through Jesus Christ. And then the rabbis have extended the law. They've extended the law. It was written. It was all written down. Moses wrote it down in his first five books. And that was it. But they said, no, 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 that's not it. Open it up. We're going to make it be more. That's called the written law. We're going to have the oral law. And they just kept writing and writing more laws. And they keep writing and writing more laws because that's a very key part for them of pressing the law into the old and dead way to heaven and shutting up and locking the new and living way through Jesus Christ to heaven. So that's the first strategy of the, of the rabbis for shutting up the kingdom of heaven against men by pressing the law. Now, the second strategy for shutting up heaven is to nourish in the minds of the Jewish people a prejudice against the person of Jesus Christ. Now, how do they do that? They do that by teaching the history of the Jews. The history of your people, the Jews. They say the history of the Jews. And as they teach the history of the Jews, it's a history of anti-Semitism. That's what they're teaching. It starts with the history of enslavement by the Egyptians, to the, and then it goes to the history of enslavement by the Babylonians, and then the history of enslavement by the Persians, and then the history of all the bloodshed by the Greeks, and then Finally, we get to the, the history of the bloodshed by those cruel Romans who all became Roman Catholics. And their hero is Jesus Christ. To the history of the bloodshed of the Inquisition in Spain, where Jews were killed if they didn't convert to Jesus Christ. And then 
It all culminates in the history of those German Nazis, those German Nazis who, by the way, worship Jesus Christ. And then finally, the, the little cherry on the top of the cake is the history of the Ku Klux Klan who terrorized Jews with burning crosses, and they talk about Jesus Christ. So all of this history of the Jews paints the enemies of the Jews, the killers of the Jews, as embracing Jesus Christ, which builds a prejudice against Jesus Christ. That's the second strategy that they use to shut up the new and living way to heaven through Jesus Christ, by nourishing this prejudice against Jesus Christ. That's what we do at Israel Restoration Ministries. In fact, sometimes I tell them, I said, we are prejudice counselors, that's what we are. We're just trying to get you over your prejudice. So everything that Christ is going to say from verse 13, as we read it all, verse 33, is just gonna be a further explanation of this greatest condemnation which is here in verse 13, you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. It's the worst thing that a person can do is to hinder someone from coming to Christ. As he said in Matthew 9, 42, in Matthew 9, 44, 42, whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it's better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. Then Christ said to the scribes and the Pharisees in verse 13, verse 13, he says, you neither go in yourselves he says, you neither go in yourself. So if the scribes and Pharisees who said, they're really gonna take care of God's business, they're really gonna be out for saving the lost, they'd be the first one to have come to Christ. And then personally, they could sit there in the pool and say, I jumped in the water, the temperature's fine. And they'd say to the other people, just join me, rather than stand on the side of the pool and say, jump. So the greatest incentive that a person can give to another for coming to Christ is to say, I did it. I came to Christ, and I can tell you from my own personal experience, it's worth it. Follow me, come to Christ. But the Pharisees made sure that they had a tight rank and that none of them had come to Christ, and they bragged about it in John 7:47. John 7:47. Then answered them the Pharisees, are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? So they said that no one has, but they were actually wrong because the Pharisees were wrong there because they did have among them those that had believed into Christ, only they kept it a secret because they were afraid of the consequences. John 12, 42, John 12, 42, nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they didn't confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. John 9, 22, John 9, 22, the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. All right, so they didn't come to Christ. But that raises the question, why not? Why didn't the Pharisees go through the new and living way of Jesus Christ to heaven? Why not? What kept them back personally from Christ? Well, there are several reasons. Number one, they were too proud to stoop. Too proud to stoop. For a person to come to Christ, he has to humble himself. Christ just said in verse 12, verse 12, Matthew 23, 12, Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that humble himself shall be exalted. Bible is full of warnings against pride and the need for humility. Psalm 138.6, Psalm 138.6, though the Lord be high, he hath respect for the lowly. Proverbs 16.18, Proverbs 16.18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be a humble spirit with the lowly. Proverbs 6.16, Proverbs 6.16, that the Lord hate. Seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look. They knew that Christ was talking. He was saying that a person has to humble himself, and they wanted nothing to do with that. 
So first of all, they didn't come to Christ because they were too proud to stoop. Second, they didn't come to Christ because they were too formal to be childlike, too formal to be childlike. They knew Christ has said in Matthew 18.3, Matthew 18.3, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. They knew that, he, that Christ was calling his followers little children. John 13, 33, John 13, 33. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. They knew that God had called the Jewish people the children of Israel. In Exodus 3.10, Exodus 3.10, God told Moses, come now therefore I'll send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And they didn't want anything to do with that. They didn't come to Christ because they were too formal to become like a child. Third reason, they didn't come to Christ because they loved themselves too much to deny themselves, too much to deny themselves. They knew Christ was teaching the need for this, his followers to hate their own lives of sin. John 12, 30, 25, John 12, 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Mark 8, 34, Mark 8, 34. Whosoever shall come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. And they wanted nothing to do with taking up a cross and saying no to themselves. They loved themselves too much to deny themselves. And that's why they didn't come to Christ. And then they didn't come to Christ because they loved the world too much than to have contempt or for the world. They loved the world too much. The world had been good to them. They had position in the world. They had power that. John eleven forty seven. John eleven forty seven. They then gathered the chief priests and Pharisees and council and said, "What do we do? If we let him alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans will come and take away our place. Our place. They had a good place, and they knew that the followers of Christ were hated by the world. They knew Christ had said in John fifteen eighteen. John fifteen eighteen. The world hates you. The world hateth you. So in the world, they had a good place." of respect, they had honor, they had power, they had power, and they loved that world too much than to have contempt for it and to come to Christ. And then they didn't come to Christ personally because they were just too satisfied with their own lives to repent of their sins. They were just too satisfied with their lives to repent of their sins. And they knew that the message of Christ was Matthew 4.17, Matthew 4.17, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They didn't see themselves as dirty, rotten sinners and that needed to repent. That suggestion to them came with the response of, who are you calling a sinner? Not me, I'm a good man. And so they were too satisfied with their lives than to repent of their sins, and that's why they didn't come to Christ. So this is really the background behind what Christ meant when he said to the scribes and Pharisees in verse 13, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer you them that are entering to go in. In short, they were opposing God, even though they took the outward position of helping God as being priests and, and so forth, and that's why he called them hypocrites. But what's important to keep in mind is that even though they had done this, that did not stop Christ from reaching out to them this hand of love and willingness to accept them if they repented as sinners, which some of them did do. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for wondrous love that sought me, wondrous blood that bought me. In Jesus' name, amen.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.